we know each other through Jane, yeah. your girlfriend, who I worked with on the Sanctuary Art Car a couple of years ago. And you're a VJ from Tahoe, but originally from the Midwest. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Wisconsin originally, uh, near Madison, small town called Cross Plains, uh, about 30 minutes outside of Madison out in the country. Nice. And yeah, then I moved to Tahoe when I was uh, 18 and have been kind of bouncing around Northern California, but mostly in Tahoe since 2006, actually. Yeah. You know, I was, um, I think I first saw your work uh, through Facebook. People like kept reposting the, the animations that you were doing. Oh, cool. Which were like really, really next level. You know, I come from a VJing background. Thanks, man. And um, it was... Yeah, it's inspiring to see other people's work who are like really um, like pushing it. Yeah, thanks, man. How did uh, how did you how did you get into to doing live visuals? Um, it started with just like seeing cool imagery on the internet and in art galleries at festivals and stuff like that, and being like, you know, especially the digital art. There was something about it where like it just grabbed my attention, and I was really curious on you know how how are these artists creating these images you know i knew about photoshop and stuff but i didn't really know so much about like a lot of the 3d uh softwares and rendering techniques and i kind of started going on like deviant art and i discovered a software called mandelbulb 3d which is a fractal mandel uh, mandelbrot or Ma mandelbulb? a mandelbulb uh, yeah so the mandel <laughs> you're familiar with mandelbrot who kind yeah, of like yeah. pioneered fractal math the Mandel bulb is a 3D representation of the Mandelbrot set. So it creates this kind of like bulb shape that um, you would probably recognize from a lot of imagery uh, and fractal art and stuff like that. Um, but so Mandelbulb 3D was developed in like 2009. Um, it's free software. Anybody can use it and you can render 3D fractals with it. It's kind of like a 3D graphing calculator uh -huh. in a way where you have, but you have all these really cool fractal formulas like already in there for you and you're basically just like exploring this fractal landscape generative, and you find yeah generative art yeah you find a cool spot and you take a take a render and so i started making these fractal images and around the same time that i started rend uh, rendering with mandelbulb um a friend of mine uh drew zeiske showed me uh, some vj software i think it was resolume and mad mapper at the time and we kind of put two and two together like, hey, I've got this like little animation that I made of these fractals and you've got this software that's made for playing videos. Like, let's make some, you know, we're making our own own stuff on day one, basically, you know. Well, generative visuals are definitely like, I, think, I feel like so many people find this world through um, like generative, generative visuals of some kind. Yeah. For me, it was like video feedback. Totally. Right. And it, like at first it was analog uh -huh. and then it was like, using like max msp yeah yeah just like creating creating feedback loops totally yeah and you can get some ad like legit fractals even just with feedback loops even with analog if you do like oh, the right rotations and you know i think that i think mirrors. that feedback is definitely is a fractal it's a it's a yeah. fractal process it's that infinite mirror you know absolutely yeah um so, so was that back in madison yeah, this, I was uh, back in Madison and from like 2013 till 2015, um, spending some time with my family. 
and decided to kind of pursue digital art that I've been kind of observing and excited about, but not really pursuing it um, for maybe like a year or two prior yeah. and decided to make it kind of a more serious pursuit and learning fractal rendering software, learning other animation softwares, then started teaching myself Cinema 4D, After Effects, you know, photo, Adobe, that kind of thing. Did you go to school for it? No, no. Um, no school whatsoever? I did go to school, not for not for graphics. Um, I've definitely taken like some online classes. Yeah. Or, but those were more like, you know, just like pick up a, like a week long course or something from Gumroad or one of those, you know, Linda, whatever. Dude, Linda is so good. Man. There's a lot like, of stuff I've out there. So many software yeah. packages through Linda. It's amazing how much like information is out there now. And not even like Linda's great. Linda's paid, but like even just on YouTube, you can teach yourself when it comes to 3d software, you can teach yourself the entire, you know, start to finish for free on YouTube these days, if you know where to look, you know, so in any package, really any software package. Yeah. I was working with this company, right? I wasn't working for the company, but I was working with this company and they had a Linda account and, um, they just shared the password with everybody, like everybody. There's That's probably, awesome. It's probably like 300 <laughs> people using the same Linda account. That's awesome. But it's great, man. Cause it's, it's cool that Linda doesn't like, you know, do pull the whole, like too many people are signed in kind of thing. You well, know? They got bought by uh, LinkedIn. Oh really? Okay. Linda, I didn't know that. Yeah. Linda is now, now part of LinkedIn, which is That's kind cool. of crazy. That's cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, pretty much just been slowly teaching myself and you know i shouldn't say self i don't like to say self-taught because like a lot of people on the internet <laughs> taught me how to do these things and i yeah. you know learned plenty of things for myself but just picking up from what other people have put out there um in terms of techniques and well i think i've done both you know, right i've self-taught yeah. Yeah. but i've also gone to school i went to school for computer animation right cool. computer graphics yep. and like honestly I, th I think I learned After Effects really well yeah. through that method. Yeah. But it was it's basically just tutorials. Totally. Right? When you go to school for a, for a computer uh, computer animation or any kind of computer art, yeah. I feel like 90% of the, the material that you're being taught is just... It's pretty much just like, you know, step by step of the pipeline, you know, and it's one, here's the tutorial, and then tutorial one leads to tutorial two. And yeah. I'd say that's the one challenge of like trying to do it you know, more uh, in, in outside of a school classroom environment because you kind of have to like create your own schedule. And if you don't necessarily know what you're doing, it's you, you don't necessarily know that you're getting like tutorial one is going to lead to tutorial two. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, for, for me, the problem was when I first went to school, it was right out of high school. Yeah. So I was in the mentality of still being forced to learn. Yeah. And I did not take it seriously whatsoever. Totally. So then when I graduated, I had no idea how to make money. Yeah. Using those skills. Yeah. And I ended up working on like some stupid retail job. Yeah. <laughs> which was untenable. But at the yeah. same time, I discovered VJing and that like totally became my life. Cool. So when I was like 18, 18, yeah. 19, it was just like working this working at this like computer retail store and VJing in every spare moment. That's a good job to have when you're becoming a VJ and get, maybe get some discounts at the computer store. No, oh, absolutely. <laughs> With video cards. Yeah. All, yeah. All kinds of, that's cool. All kinds of stuff. But yeah, I would, I would say that, you know, it was definitely challenging and often I would like, you know, start, okay, I'm going to learn, I'm going to learn more cinema 4d this week, you know, and I would do some tutorials and then I'd maybe let a few weeks go by or a few months get busy with life, you know, 
and kind of have to uh, brush the dust off when I came back to it, you know? And so kind of took some time to really get into like the more traditional 3d motion graphics packages like cinema 4d and after effects. Is that what you started with? I started with the Mandelbulb stuff, which is just so much more abstract and it's a lot more limited because it's really just for fractals. Oh, that's interesting. So literally your entry into computer yeah. graphics was through. Yeah. And like learning how to like keyframe and like, you know, camera animation and the, the Mandel Mandelbulb software has like really basic controls for that kind of thing it's really bad you can't like edit your keyframes really like it's well i feel like keyframes are this base concept yeah. where it's there's two schools of thought right and you'll notice that we were talking about uh lighting designers right the lighting design mentality works in cues yeah and cue stacks right. whereas computer animation right and, and like animation motion graphics yeah it's all about keyframes totally I came from that world too. And yeah. It was very unintuitive trying to go back and learn a cue stack. Totally. Lighting, it's, it's more like, yeah, it's almost like music in a way, whereas keyframes, not so much. You know? Well, I think it's a more primitive way to think about a timeline. Yeah. Like if you, yeah. if I, when I think about the two ways of looking at time yeah. in, a, in a digital system, a timeline makes so much more sense. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So coming coming from that was definitely kind of like a weird weird place to start, I guess. But as I then saw more of the limits of the fractal software, and in some ways it's unlimited. You know, the the landscapes you can find it really is infinite. The different combinations you can put together. But in terms of what you can do, let's say a client wants their their logo and they want it to you know turn into sand and disintegrate or something like that if you're trying to do something specific it's very limited you well know? you weren't doing commercial gigs back then not anyway, not right? not at all not yeah. at all but around the time that i kind of like really started vjing and making money doing that not that i was making a lot of money but a little bit and seeing the potential started to under see kind of like more of the limitations of like even if just for my own sake i want to make you know, a visual that's kind of more flowy and liquid and abstract or something like that. Well, you need a certain kind of software to do that. And the, the fractal stuff wasn't cutting it for all of those purposes. So kind of started picking up more of the um, more, tr what we think of as like motion graphic stuff, like after effects and well, fractal, fractals always look like fractals. Exactly. You know, it's like, there's only so far you can go with uh, exactly. With and, and they, they become so popular too. You yeah. know, it's super popular. Um, you you know, also don't want to be that VJ where everybody's like, oh, yeah, that, that he's that fractal guy. <laughs> yep, pretty much. Pretty much. And I, you know, kind of put myself in that box in a way. Well, it's okay. You took career, yourself out of that box. <laughs> tried to, yeah, I tried to elevate my content, you know, past that level. So kind of always, always got love for the fractal softwares, but I've been really focused more on Cinema 4D primarily and then more lately getting into real-time stuff like Notch and um, slowly picking up some Houdini as well. So Yeah, I've never used Houdini. I've never fucked with that. I did fuck with Notch for a little bit. Uh, we were talking earlier that um, our weapon of choice right now is Smode, which is a, another kind of real-time generative 3D environment. Yeah, I've always wanted to play a little bit more with Smode. I looked at it one time. I saw it was a free download, and I kind of checked it out, and I... I liked it. I just didn't really put any time into it, you know. 
it's all Coke and Pepsi, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. It's just different ways to achieve, totally. achieve the same, same things. And, you know, it definitely, like, I have never seen content. Every program has a look. 100%. Right? And it's yeah. like, you can kind of tell. It's like, when I yeah. look at things that were, that come out of touch designer, I'm like, oh yeah. 99% of the time, you know it immediately. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you can see it's, it's got like a flavor or like a specific look to yeah. it. And, uh, Notch definitely has has a specific look to it, but Absolutely. this is this is a recent thing for you, right? It's like when I when I was looking at all your content coming out of uh, your your VJing uh, yep. sets, yeah, and, and the festival scene that was all Cinema 4D, yeah. mostly Cinema 4D, plenty of Mandelbulb, After Effects, of a, a variety of yeah 3D softwares. Um, I like to take like a lot of the kind of random 3D stuff like Grabato or like Structure Synth is like an L system software where you kind of code your little L system and then it creates these cool kind of quasi fractals. Yeah. Um, take stuff like that and put it into cinema. But yeah, most of my rendering the last few years has been cinema. And um, last spring, I kind of really learned about the power of uh, like how powerful Notch was and picked up like the, the student license. For myself and then um, this summer I've been working uh, as a designer in Mel Creative and um, they have a license there too so been able to uh, make use of that and um, it's it's really fun software to work in it's just the workflow is really straight to the point you know you want mm -hmm. particles you just drop in a particle node and drop in a couple emitters and effectors and you're off to the races pretty much you know well, that's cool. It sounds like Melt is helping you like grow as an artist. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, they've been they've been great. Um, it's been a really a pleasure to work with uh, Morgan and Evan at Melt and uh, our other animators there, Patrick yeah. and Karim. I mean, I feel like that's really what it's all about in the end. It's like just finding environments for yourself that let you continue to grow in your technical art. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for me, it's like finding jobs. So it's like I'll find a job, and I'm like, oh yeah, this job is going to be great to develop like this particular skill set. Totally. And then it just makes you stretch. Totally. Yeah, and that's that's kind of how we look at things too. With some of the work we've been doing um, at Mel, is just every job is an opportunity to learn a new pipeline or new software. Um, you know, uh, whether it's motion capture or something interactive with a connect or you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's always always a new challenge in this industry, you know. Every job is like different than the last one. Do you do a lot of uh, interactive installations? Like, do you do you use sensors like uh, Connect or? Yeah, we have a Connect. We tried out the Real Sense. Um, I don't know if you've played around with those at all, and we were kind of disappointed with the Real Sense performance. Unfortunately, it wasn't very stable with Touch Designer or with Notch. But what's the one um, that Intel's making? That's the real sense. The real yeah. Sense? yeah. Yeah. They, they, the form factor is great. They're tiny little things. Um, and they're supposed to pack a punch, but, um, they, it, we could never really get it like to be stable. Um, just a lot of software crashing. And so we kind of sent that back and we've just been sticking with the connect. Um, what is, what does it output? Does it have its own? It's got like a depth cam. It doesn't do the like real time skeleton though, the way connect does, but it's got like a depth cam and an infrared cam. I, believe. I was going to say it's mostly like a, like a depth camera. Yeah. Yeah. That's the main thing that it has. Yeah. And it had some potential. I don't know. Other people have had better luck with it, but the 
for the most part, I've gotten pretty negative reviews from some of our peers. And well, there's a whole host of ones yeah. to try. You know, it's like li- there's a, a bunch of lidar sensors yeah. that we've been fucking around with, and um, those have a lot of promise too. You know, yeah. for us, it's 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 more about just detecting distance, and you know, we can do that with. Um, it depends on the scenario. You know, like yeah. if you're if you're looking at a room and you want to find people, like maybe instead of a depth cam, it's like a FLIR cam and you're looking yeah. at heat because yep. then you're just, you know, you're picking, it's like blob detection. You're just looking at like heat signatures. Totally. Um, if we're trying to gauge the distance between like, an, like a single person and an installation, like maybe you want a light to change hue as somebody approaches something like that, then, you know, doing um, a LIDAR or even active infrared yep. is fine. Yeah. I'm really, um, I'm really fascinated with the world of sensors. I want to continue to integrate that into like every installation I can. Totally. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's the, the driving force behind anything interactive, you know, I have to have a way for somebody to, to, interact with your the computer the the lighting or you know whatever it is and well and do it in a way that doesn't it's so easy to make interactive art that like is frenetic yeah or is too decoupled yes from you know what i mean it's like you look at it and you're like am i controlling that am i not controlling that like how is this even connected to what absolutely you know, and i think that's the that is the art of interactivity right it's like making a piece that's not that that you can understand how what you're doing is affecting the output. Totally. Yeah, that's definitely been one of the kind of fun challenges with some of the Connect stuff, especially I, I told you about this um, video glass, the transparent video glass that we had oh, yeah, uh, in our showroom. Um, and so it's really low resolution. You know, we're working at a resolution of like maybe 80 panel, 80 pixels by 96 pixels. See, I love that resolution. And dra- yeah, right. <laughs> but, like but you know, when you're coming from, you know, 4K video textures to trying to create engaging content and I'm, you know, coming from the world of Octane and Cinema 4D renders to, to like this flat kind of like resolution from, you know, the 80s or, or before. Well, look, it's like one is one is more abstract light art exactly and the other one is contextual exactly like even this the stuff that you that you're showing me here with notch it's abstract but it's contextual yeah you know it's like yeah. it is very much like a, high a lot resolu- of detail yeah, yeah, yeah it's a high resolution image yeah. whereas a lot of working with low resolution lights yeah. is just playing with glow yeah totally and so like trying to figure out how to make like a connect for example engaging at that resolution yeah. It was fun. It was a lot of fun, you know, but it was definitely challenging to say, okay, like, you know, we want the the user to immediately understand what's happening and that they're in control and that this is what they're in control of, you know, and definitely, you know, depending on what you're trying to do, it can, it can be a little bit of a challenge, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I mean, I think that's, it is a really challenging, um, it's a really challenging spot to nail. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, a, like, it's a puzzle, you know. It is. And it's hard to get it right. Yeah. It's easy to fall into one one side or the other or be too, uh, you know, two on one side or two on the other yeah. and, and just have it miss the mark. So, yeah. That's cool though. I'm stoked to go and uh, see your studios tomorrow. That'd be fun. Definitely. Definitely. Man, this is going to be a crazy week with uh, with LDI. 
I'm I'm glad that uh yeah, I'm glad we get to connect and do this podcast now, like going into LDI. Totally. Is this your first one? Yes, it is. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been hearing about it for a, a few years, you know, and kind of always looked looked at it as something I wish I could go do. Um, so I'm stoked to be living in Vegas now and right got it down down the street from my house basically. Yeah, I mean your commute is yeah. definitely short, which is awesome. <laughs> it's, it's like a couple miles to the convention center from here, so I've been hitting up everybody, everybody <laughs> that like I can think of. I'm like, are you gonna be there? Yeah. Like, <laughs> let's get a drink. Yeah. Who's gonna be around? You know who I haven't heard back from yet is Velo. I don't oh, know cool. if he's gonna be around, but I hope he is. I haven't talked to him in a long time, and it'd be good to see him and catch up. Cool. Yeah, I know that guy's all over the place. Yeah. Well, he's not actually these days. He's no. like he is living in the Midwest. I think. Really. Yeah, huh. or Chicago. Interesting. Right? I'm pretty sure that's where he is with his with his daughter. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I could be completely wrong about that. But he's not living – I think he's like half-time in L.A. His daughter is where he's from. Okay, gotcha. And I believe that's Chicago, but I'm not positive. Yeah. I'm good for him. Yeah, absolutely. He's crushing it. So what's – um? I want to know more about the festival circuit that you were doing. Uh, previous to sure to like living out here in vegas and everything yeah so in like 2015 i moved um from wisconsin uh, back out to northern california to lake tahoe um and was living there up until about six months ago or so um so for the last four years been uh doing a lot of festivals in northern california um and some throughout the extended uh kind of united states and canada but how did you get um, into that world in the first place? Just going to a lot of festivals. Yeah. Um, I mean, even before I was VJing, I was going to a lot of festivals and, you know, just having fun and going to things like Burning Man and Lightning in a Bottle and, you know, uh, Symbiosis and being so stoked on all the cool art installations there. I think Symbiosis was my first West Coast festival. Okay. Like way, way back. Yeah, like to the, the 2009 up in the mountains or before that? Before that. that. Okay, it was cool. like maybe it was no 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 it was before that it was like 2007 or 6 or something yeah yeah that's such such a good event series it really is man hope that they're able to bounce back some and do some more uh, United States events it seems like they've kind of taken a break from yeah after the eclipse right well I mean they're doing eclipse down in uh, Patagonia right right right. that's like the next that's the next I know festival I want to make it there are you thinking about going um, there's been talk, yeah. you know, like I would like to go. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that I'm just going to wait and see for me, man. It's like, it's really all about what friends are going, right? Totally. If there's like a good crew, then I'll totally go. Yeah. You know, but I, I'm not, I will definitely not be working. Yeah. I go. <laughs> did, you, did you do the one in Oregon? No, I didn't, man. The last festival I did was, um, Envision in Costa okay. Rica. Yep. And that nice. was, uh. Randell was there. Yep, totally. <laughs> Randell was there. I uh, I, yeah, I have a bunch of friends around like the kind of site logistics team down there, like Ryan Candle and Colin Tucker does sound down there. Okay, you know those guys, but no, I don't. Have you uh, Have you been? Yeah, I went down for fun in uh, twenty twelve. So that was like kind of their early days. Um, just an amazing vibe down there. 
trying to remember if it was 2012 or 2013 that I went and, uh, I went to two and the last, the last one I went to, um, we went with like a big group of people and I was doing visuals and I was dating this girl. We had a house up in the mountains and I rented a, like a rental car to get, you know, between the festival and this house. And, um, I had like forgotten something. Everybody went down to the festival. I forgot something up at the house. I was like, Oh shit. Got to go back and get this thing. Um, was driving up, got the thing, was driving down from the mountain back to the festival. And like, one of the wheels became disconnected oh, from like the, you know, like, like whatever system keeps both wheels turning yeah. simultaneously. Yeah. Right. So the whole car flips and it's like on this oh, mountain shit. trail that got it flipped into the mountain. But yeah, I had to like crawl out through the window and I was barefoot and there was glass everywhere. And I like landed Damn. in the glass and, um, I like stumbled back up to the house and I was, uh, yeah, my girlfriend, like, she had to come, she like, eventually they were like, where's Rob? And yeah. Like, came to try and find me and they saw the car and she's oh. like, holy shit. <laughs> and then like went up to the house and there's like a trail of blood from my, my cut foot. And it was, uh, they probably thought it was really bad. Yeah. She was freaking out. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. So obviously I did not BJ that night, but she <laughs> brought one of the rear view, she brought the rear view mirror back down they're like where'd rob go she's it's like drops the rear view mirror <laughs> that's hilarious oh man yeah that was that the last year you were down there yes like 2013 yeah 2013 so honestly man i don't like um i like costa rica's cool but my favorite parts of both those experiences were going to like nicaragua one year yeah. and uh panama the next year yeah and just like because it's it's so much less touristy totally yeah, that was kind of my experience down there too. Like it was a super fun party, but it was just like being at like a NorCal West Coast festival just in, like on the beach in Costa Rica. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was kind of the same same culture, you know. Yeah, it is. It feels like symbiosis. <laughs> which is which is awesome in, in some ways, um, but, it's, you know, sometimes you want to get something new too. Yeah. Um, you know, love that culture. But, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. It is definitely <laughs> West Coast yeah. festival culture yeah. in, uh, in Costa Rica. Yeah. But that's cool. It's a very cool festival. So what's the last festival you did? Um, let's see. I guess for fun or for work? Well, for work or whatever. For work, um, for work was uh, an event Tipper puts on. Um, Tipper and Friends. That was in April mm-hmm. uh, at Suwanee. Oh, and then I guess I just did a couple events with him in September um, with Tipper at uh, Resonance which is in Pennsylvania this year, yeah. near Pittsburgh, and Imagine, which is in Atlanta at the Speedway, which was pretty interesting. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was, they had our green room was like up in the grandstands of this racetrack and like looking down at the festival from a skybox. It was really strange. Did you get to VJ from there? I wish. That would have been fun. Right? No, no, <laughs> no. Normal front of house setup. Um, but yeah, it was like it was like a 10-minute, maybe 15-minute ride in the golf cart just to get like down to the festival it was like over a mile and a half from the green room I was like Holy shit. this isn't very convenient yeah that would have been a, that would have been a shitty place to DJ from yeah. actually <laughs> that's cool man Tipper's one of my favorite artists you know I really love Tipper's music so good do yeah. you like tour with him or mm, he doesn't he doesn't exactly like do like tours the same way a lot of artists do 
he kind of does like a, a few one-offs every year and then throws a few of his own events every year. And he, he tries to do something kind of different with each event. So he's got kind of a roster of VJs that he will kind of choose from for each event, depending on what he thinks the vibe of his music is going to be, depending on the event, depending on, uh, you know, whatever he's feeling and, and whatever his team thinks is, is a good fit. So, you know, I've been really lucky to be able to work with him a handful of times over the years. That's um, awesome. That's cool. We'll be joining him uh, coming up this winter in Arizona at the Gem and Jam Festival, which is in Tucson, around the time of the um, the Gem Show that they do down there, where they have like it's like one of the biggest Gem Shows in the world. Oh yeah, I'm um, sure you probably know about it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm stoked to go check that out because I've never been to the Gem Show and I always wanted to go. You know, see some of those crystals. When I was um, when I back when I was touring, our our bus broke down <laughs> outside of. Uh, Outside of Tucson. Really? Yeah. Did it, did it happen to be during the gem show? It was like right before the gem okay. show, but they had everything laid out on tables. Yep. And I distinctly remember, like I used to tour with like a little folding bike in the okay. bottom of the bus. And I just remember like getting that bike out, unfolding it and like biking around. Tucson. Cruising around <laughs> other crystals. Yeah, yeah. Man, it was so, it was so trippy. It was like, yeah, it was, uh, it was like the middle of nowhere and it was just such a weird vibe <laughs> i was like wow these <laughs> crystals cool. are amazing yeah cool yeah I'm, I'm stoked to check it out um be fun to get out there for a couple days yeah man absolutely definitely yeah lo- love tipper's music and you know it's always a, a good time to do a set with him because you know the music's gonna be slamming so yeah yeah man absolutely <laughs> if you uh, their ass off. i want to go <laughs> yeah, you should go. come man you should definitely come yeah especially mm-hmm. if, if it's tipper tipper's like such good music yeah, it's a good time. So was he the only artist that you were closely with? Um, yeah, I would say he's the only person I've kind of done more than just like random one-off. He's the only artist who's hired me directly. Like usually before that, I would be getting hired by like a festival or a, a, the event promoter. You know what I mean? It was more getting hired by the events. And Tipper's been kind of really supportive of, of what I'm doing and, you know, reaching out directly to to get me on his team. So super uh, big shout out to Dave, you know? <laughs> yeah. Dave. <laughs> shout out to Dave. Is he, who other, who, who, what other VJs are on his roster? Um, Jonathan Singer and Android Jones are kind of like the two, like kind of started the whole yeah. thing with, with Dave. Um, there was like an event they did in the Fillmore back in San Francisco in like 2011 or 2012. And Carrie Thompson, had made a stage for him and uh, Android had learned about some new software where he could like paint in real time. On I remember the, that. Know, yeah. The Android, the Android Jones experience. Yeah, so. exa- exactly. And then they had Jonathan Singer doing visuals like on the sides too while Android, it was, that was kind of like set the trend. And at the time, this was before I even like really understood what VJing was. It was before I was doing the whole fractal thing and I'd seen some videos of that and then ended up going to a show and like seeing it. I saw it at Burning Man actually in 2012 or 2013 at the fractal planet yeah. camp and they had android was doing visuals there for tipper and it was like just blew my mind and was like i gotta learn more about this and so that kind of like planted the seed i don't know if it was 2012 or maybe it was maybe it was after 2012 but i distinctly remember seeing uh Phaedroid experience, which was Android yep. Jones painting on his girlfriend at the time totally Phaedra, totally with the wacom tablet and uh 
what the fuck was particle particle part, illusion particle illusion yes right, that was exactly the that using. exactly i remember the day I, I found out about particle illusion from an android jones interview and like went and downloaded it and was like oh my god this is how he's doing it well it's just like, such uh, not a traditional vj app no You're just like whoa no it was like a motion <laughs> graphics app that like happened to have a real-time like viewer yeah and he figured out how to like you know put it put it with a mirror through the projector and so so those guys kind of set the trend with the whole kind of psychedelic visuals for tipper kind of thing and then more recently he's put um do you know fong i do know fong yeah 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 and, and do, do and you, fong yeah yeah, yeah yeah have you used his fong's awesome love that guy he was <clears throat> one of the first people in the bay area that i met i oh, met cool. him at flow toys when uh i first i, I moved to the bay i got i broke my ankle when I was on a tour and I got basically kicked off the tour and I got invited to be a resident artist at Flow Toys. Okay, and cool. Fong was living at Flow Toys at that spot, at cool. that point. And so I moved in with them and I was his roommate briefly. Nice. And then, uh, yeah, he's just a very, Fong, Fong is the man. He's like the smartest dude ever. He's <laughs> such a, he's like an elf character. Yeah. You know he's I mean? so legit. Um, yeah, I got, to, I met him actually at Android's, uh, studio at his farm in Colorado. Um, Fong was out there living with him for some time while they're developing their new VR software. I was just um, going to ask you if you would, uh, if you had played with that. Yeah. Yep. I've been kind of playing with it since some of the earliest versions, um, in 2016. Um, and yeah, it's it's super fun. It's, he basically took Particle Illusion and turned it into like a three D VR, VR version. Yeah. And it's funny because the day that I met Android, we were talking about Particle Illusion, and he's like, "Dude, I really want to make this like the three D version." And you know, he 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 did it, man. He fucking did it. Um, yep. It's still you know getting better every day, from what I hear. Um, so it's been a few months since I've taken it for a spin, but it's it's pretty sick, man. <laughs> I saw him play live in San Francisco just recently. Oh, cool. It was uh, the first time I'd seen that song. Yeah. Where was that? Oh, man. It's, uh, I can't remember the name of the venue, but okay. um, it was. Like for what music? Um, Tipper was playing. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Nice. Hell yeah. Sick. So he, he, was, he was VJing live for Tipper. Sick. But um, it was really interesting seeing somebody VJ from a, from a VR headset. Yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, we've done a few gigs where like he'll hire me to come out and kind of be his like his eyes on the screen yeah so he can just dive into the vr right and like run the vr and i can just worry about like making sure that the signal's flowing and like add a little bit of like resolume effects to kind of juice it a little bit yeah yeah um uh yeah those are always fun gigs um that's interesting so you co-vj kind of yeah i like to i like to build myself more as like a video tech and that and that and not, you know, not take anything away from what he's doing, but you know, yeah, we kind of like, kind of like run backup basically. Yeah. No, he, when you, he's you, creating an on broadcast basically. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever involve the lighting design into, into your sets? Do you coordinate? Definitely. Um, if there, you know, if there is a lighting rig, um, and a lighting designer there, you know, we'll usually talk about some of the color schemes that I, you know, I'm, I'm, going to be working with for the set or if I have some some key moments where I want them to go dark or you know go all red or, or whatever it is um, definitely like to have communication about that um, tippers camp usually likes to do go without lighting for some of their sets 
um, to kind of like change it up from all the other acts that usually have just, you know, crazy lighting and they like to focus on video, yeah. which is kind of interesting. I kind of like, sometimes it's great cause you know, all eyes are on my content, but also like, I love like a good show with like really nice moving heads and great integrated lighting with good timing and everything. So, you know, I'd say my favorite sets I've ever VJ'd have definitely had lighting involved and, um, well, it's part of a holistic, like a, like a, a whole, you know, it's part of Absolutely. a set. Absolutely. If you think about the stage as like a piece of architecture, then, yeah. you know, lighting is one aspect of that. Video is another aspect yeah. of that. Lasers, fog, haze, yep. pyro, I maybe. Mean, sometimes, <laughs> yeah. And I, I feel like the most successful stage designs do a really good job of balancing all Absolutely. Things. It's all about integrating everything in a way that feels cohesive and like everybody's on the same page. Yeah. You know? Um, and so, you know, those are definitely the most fun. You have a lighting, you know, LD and a, a laser operator and a VJ who are all in, in tune and in sync and yeah. operators, you know, and uh, just get to jam. <laughs> yeah, exa exactly. It's very much about jamming, but you have to have like good, communication with the other operators right? totally yeah i feel like like designing a tour or designing a, a show in advance has a lot of benefits but it also has drawbacks like like a live set is is much more of a like a conversation totally between visual artists totally. right where it's like if you're jamming and it's a like a like an electronic music event, right? Yeah. Then it's much more of a conversation between visual artists. Yeah. And then if you're designing a show, it's almost like a play. Absolutely. Right. It's like it's yeah. like a pre-scripted performance that you've yeah you've you can, you can get such a tighter integration with like a time-coded show that's but it's not as spontaneous at all. It's, it doesn't have that that same feeling, you know, of the kind of in the moment um, freedom and creativity. Yeah. I definitely like, I can appreciate both, you know, I, I really love seeing like a well coat time coded show. Um, and I think like the best of those leave some room for like busking where, you know, the, the scenes are triggering, but there's still things that it, the operator can do to make it fun and interactive. Absolutely. Um, so I think there is kind of like a best of both worlds. Um, most of, all the events that I've done have always been just like kind of free to interpret the music. You know, occasionally you'll get some, an artist who has specific content they want played or whatever, but um, you know, it's, it, it leaves a lot more room for error, which is kind of fun to keep you on your toes. But well, um, yeah, I mean, I think a good conversation has error, you know, yeah. it's, it's not yeah. necessarily supposed to be perfect. Yeah. Um, but a lot of like surprises can come of that. And then you can get some really like, like intrigue absolutely and i would say you know i've made a lot of discoveries even just within my own content where you know i might at some of the festivals that i've done where i'm vjing for like six or eight hours from like sundown to sun up you know and it's it's 3 a.m and the dance floor is getting empty and i'm just like you know trying to keep myself engaged and i'm just like putting new combinations of content or effects together and have made some of my favorite, favorite <laughs> discoveries. Like, then I'm like, why didn't I think of this sooner? You know? Yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> like I'm playing this one at the next one, but when there's actually people on the dance floor that will see it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, save that one to the effects stack and, and you know, three o'clock when yeah. you're peaking. Yeah, you're exactly. Like, okay. I am exactly. in my creative flow right now. <laughs> exactly. So, 
you know, there's something to be said for both. I definitely, uh, definitely love a show that allows for, you know, that, that freedom to, to just play. And, you know, I was thinking about that the other day and like, so I was listening to this podcast about map, um, fuck hierarchy of needs. Okay. Yep. Maslow. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Maslow. Maslow. I'm not sure. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) But they say that the, uh, the pinnacle of actual actualization is, is finding, um, like a state of flow. Yeah. Basically that's what they, that's what they call it. And it's, it's, um, I have experienced that state while VJing and I can't, there's only like a few points in time when I'm like, Oh yes, I am. You know, you're not thinking about the technicalities of what you're doing. You're just literally letting art come through you. Totally. Right? And it's like VJing, um, yeah, it's just like when it, three in the morning, right? It's yeah. like early in the morning when you've just, you've been going for hours and it, you're in that groove and yeah. you're feeling that music and you're feeling the music and expressing that through like the system that you barely have to think about because you've been using it for years of your life. Yep. You know, exactly. I miss that. Totally. I really do. Totally. Yeah. As VJing has kind of taken a backseat to the content and design work that I've been doing this year. Uh, definitely. That's one of the things that I, I miss the most and enjoy the most when I do get to do a show, you know, yeah. I've done a couple of shows this year and just getting in that zone, getting in that zone with a MIDI controller and just feeling the music and, yeah, rocking out, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's like an instrument. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Get to get to let the music inform your next move and try to anticipate what they're gonna do. Yeah. Um. That's that's one of the you know the the most fun things about working with um, an artist like Tipper, who's you you never every set's gonna be different. He's never played the same set twice. You know. Really. Um, so he he's very much improvisational. You know. That's and, awesome. Uh, some turntablism and. He'll start. He'll tease a track that you know, and you think you know what's gonna happen, and then he plays like a a, re- a remix of it or whatever you know that you've never heard before. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, keep you on your toes even as the VJ, you know. Um, and so, it's it's kind of like one of the the most fun challenges about working with him is that, um, like you asked earlier, like have I toured with him? And he just doesn't do the tour thing because he doesn't have like a a set that he wants to stick to. He wants everyone every experience to be different and. You know, as no matter how much preparation I do going into that set, I have very little information about what's really going to happen. You know, that's cool. Um, though. His man, his manager might give me like one suggestion of like how to start or something like that, or like maybe like a color or a theme. So you don't but go like content or anything. You don't like sometimes I like we definitely will go over it and look at it, and they might say like here start with that, but like that's about it. We don't then it's like. It's up to you from there. Look, all looks good, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, you know, definitely like have I've I've made some some great choices sometimes about what content to play, and other times I'm like, oh damn it, I should have waited to put that piece with this track, or you know, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, VJing is an incredibly forgiving art form, though. <laughs> that, it is because, to say the least. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like no matter what, you, you have to you have to screw up pretty hard for people to even notice. <laughs> exactly. And you have to screw up really bad for anybody to be even like the least bit upset about it. Right. You know what I mean? Like whereas like the DJ or the whoever's making music, like even a small screw up technically, or the sound guy can be like pretty damaging to like some people's experiences, you know? Absolutely. I think that it's funny, man, because when I was in Germany, people actually go out to events for 
visual performances, right? There's this, um, there's a collective called white void, Christopher Bowder. Okay. And he is a light artist yeah. that does installations. Yeah. And when I was out there the last time, it was actually during the touch designer summit. Okay. It was like cool. a couple of years ago Hell yeah. and they had a performance and they packed this, this, it was like a old abandoned train station. Sure. Right. That their installation was in. Yeah. And it was like they had been running shows for a week plus and just packing this thing yeah. every night. And I'm like, wow. That's so rad. This is a visual artist who is headlining. Yeah. It's their show. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. It, it, so it does exist. Absolutely. You know? But I think it's it's coming. Rings. You know, I th- I feel like it's it's slowly coming to North America now with these kind of like more immersive art spaces that are becoming more popular. Yes. I feel like that's that's more realistic to like have that concept and pull it off, you know, as installation artists. Yeah. But Europe is definitely like pretty far ahead of us in that culture, so to speak. Well, Europe just has so much more of a, uh, a culture of art, yeah. right? It's like True Europe that. is very focused on art. True that. And there's like <laughs> a, there's like a history of, of, of art, um, taking, taking a prominent role in, in, in that culture yeah. right so it's like you see it everywhere too it's like the architecture that's all over the place it's um you know the food it's the it's people's interactions with each other it is uh art is much more valued 100 yeah no the culture is so much deeper there too yeah and i mean art is art is valued in the united states it's just it's not like in europe the government puts money it, it's not as a, as appreciated by as much of the, the society as much of the population you know yeah because well this because there's it's it's not mon, it's not easily monetizable yeah i mean like you've yeah. got the fine art scene in new york yeah. right but i would argue that like the fine art scene is really not where the cutting edge of art is happening no certainly not <laughs> yeah right and now it's it's interesting to see burning man the art at Burning Man slowly start to seep into the fine art scene the same way that like Banksy did, right? Like Banksy was this like weird thing that totally. just all of a sudden now like, you know, his work is like collectible. Totally. Yeah. And collect, I, collect the side of a building that they <laughs> tore out with a backhoe. Well, they literally do that. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's insane. But now it's like Burning Man art pieces are being bought and installed in Vegas and yeah. like all over the place. You've yeah. got like Burning Man art that's like, Totally becoming uh, monetized. Totally, and yeah. It's a it's a process. So it's I think I feel like there's like the fundamental there's a fundamental value put on art in Europe that is not as present in the United States, and that to me that's almost most visible in in like the superfluous things like you know uh, bridges and and like public work works projects. You know, in the United States we have very like square industrial, like everything is very utilitarian. It is straight to the point and practical. And yeah. it's not, not a lot of embellishment or, you know? Yeah. Right. Exactly. And over in Europe and it, well, it's just, it's, it's just different. Have you, have you been over to um, like I, Western Europe? I've been to Portugal. Um, and that's it. Portugal is yeah. beautiful. Oh, did it you go for boom? I've been to Boom twice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, but I have spent some time outside of the festival touring to the south, to the southern coast, um, and kind of through central Portugal. 
That's cool. Um, my beautiful friend, country. My friend really Rebecca, amazing. who owns Leds Control, she is looking at buying land in Portugal. She's been spending a lot of time there. Wise choice, I would say. I think it's one of the like places that's still pretty reasonably priced and like it's beautiful. It's it doesn't feel like overly developed the way I I feel like some other like the kind of more populated places like Italy and Germany. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Germany. But I can't I can't say from my own personal experience, but when I was in Portugal it just felt very laid back, you know, and it, that's what I hear. Yeah. I've never been. It's very relaxed. <laughs> but I'm in Spain all the time. Next time I go to Spain, going to Portugal. Definitely, yeah. Go if you can get to the the beaches on the south coast. It was like being in a a Hollywood movie about <laughs> pirates of the 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 Mediterranean or something. It was pretty pretty amazing cliffs and beaches down there. Yeah, these like super picturesque caves and yeah. I was in Marseille for a little while. Oh, very nice. And Marseille is beautiful. It's like got the North African vibe, yeah. right? And it's uh it's France, but it's also very much like I don't know, it's it's it doesn't feel like it's totally different. Yeah, than it's Paris. a Mediterranean kind of more bohemian Absolutely. feeling. Yeah, totally. And talk about cliffs, man. Like I'm really into climbing. Cool. And they've got like these enormous cliffs that are right up next to the water. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, you would love Portugal, definitely. Yeah, I thought I was going to move there for a minute to Marseille. Oh, cool. And then I was like, oh, maybe Barcelona's cool. And I was like, oh my so God. Speaking of, how was your trip to South Africa? Oh, it was so good, man. Yeah, I was enjoying keeping up with some of your stuff on social media. Yeah, well, um, Cape Town is literally a city with a mountain in the middle of it. It's it's amazing, right? It is. It is. And it, everybody's just like biking, surfing, hiking, climbing. Yeah. And the people that I stayed with, they were super, super active. Like, yeah. they're the kind of people who, um, there's one guy in particular, uh, he was just moving all the time, right? Yeah. So it's like, I was, I was like, all right, if I do half of the activity that this guy does, I will be super proud of myself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I got, I got in really good shape. It was like a month of just like being active. Were you staying in Cape Town most of that time? Yeah. My, well, I was, I was staying with Africa Burners. So, cool. I planned that whole trip around um, people who were connected to friends. Yeah. So I like put it out to the community. I was like, who knows people in, in yeah. South Africa? And um, most of the connections that I made were, were Africa burners, part of the, nice. the, like the, the um, DPW crew. Yep. And so I just hopped between different people, different people's houses. I couch surfed with them the whole time. And, uh, yeah, they re- ended up going out to the Tanqua Desert, which is this, um, it's almost like Southern California. It kind of feels like the Mojave, but way more remote. Yeah. And that's where they have the Africa Burn event. So cool. that, you weren't there during Africa Burn, though. No, no. I've heard really good things about Africa Burn. So have I, man. But Having I wanted, spent some time in South Africa, I really would love to get out there. And just, the you, culture there is just amazing. You have been? Yeah, uh, that's yeah, right. We yeah. talked. We about talked that. about it briefly. Yeah, it was like almost. It was about ten years ago. You went to school pretty, there or something. Right? I did like an internship. Yeah, right. um, actually, I I went there for like a month long tour. Yeah. With the college class in two thousand nine, and then I went back for six months after I finished school and did like a work internship there, as part of like a bigger program that was kind of like around the World Cup, mm-hmm. being in South Africa. Um. So yeah, you get to spend a lot of time there and tour most of the kind of 
uh, more populated parts of the country. Did you go to Johannesburg? Um, yeah, I lived in Johannesburg for two months or two and a half months um, during the World Cup. Was that the whole? Did you? I lived in Cape. I lived in Cape Town for like two months, and then Johannesburg for like, or I think it was around three months in Cape Town, and then two and a half months in Johannesburg, and then like some time traveling. What did you think of those two cities? Or like, what was what were? The- it's it's kind of like compare like Johannesburg is like L.A. and Cape Town is like San Francisco. See, you know, is like that is exactly it, what so many people told me. They're yeah. like, yeah, Johannesburg yeah. is very much like the L.A. except without the like the nice beach because it's inland <laughs> and landlocked, and so it's like just this hot, massive metropolis. Um, but it's definitely a pretty crazy dichotomy there, just because you go to downtown Johannesburg and it's like huge skyscrapers and flashy cars and you know maseratis and shopping malls and gucci stores or whatever and then you drive just a few miles out and you're in like a million pop pop, population a million people in a you know like tin shacks yeah this is in well yeah and there's a middle class as well but there's in cape town too i mean they have those those townships that are just it's so like the poverty is just so much greater than anything that we have here in the States. Well, it's crazy because it's such a dramatic shift and yeah. it's very much um, broken up by like geographical location. Yeah. Like the townships are yeah. in rings around to- the city center. To- totally. So, um, yeah, we did, when I was there, we did some volunteering in the Soweto Township and the Kinshasa Township and outside of Johannesburg. And then I forget the name of the township in Cape Town. Um, but we were going and volunteering at some of the schools there, like on the weekends. Um, and the, it was definitely pretty, pretty moving to, to see how, how the lifestyle is there. And just to see like the, yeah, how the, the, ex- how extreme the spectrum was there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, it was kind of depressing actually, is I found that like, so the, um, the segregation based on like economics which in turn was like manifest in in race was more extreme than anything i've experienced anywhere else oh yeah outside of like haiti you know haiti was kind of like that however yeah but there's so many more different like race in south africa it's just like there's all these different castes i know yeah but it's almost like it wasn't that much of a dramatic difference from San Francisco. It, and yeah. it was really disturbing. I could see it was that. just like, man, you know, this is. Uh, I could definitely see that. This is more extreme, but in the same It's just more vein. obvious. Yeah. 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 As San Francisco, it's like, it is, that's fucked up. Yeah. It's definitely pretty crazy just because, I mean, the, the desegregation of South Africa is so much more recent, you know? It is. It happened in the mid 90s, and many people lived through that you know but it, it it feels like it was like racial segregation that was then just flipped into economic segregation yeah. which is still based on race totally and totally. it was just like wow man and it's kind of the same way in in the bay area yeah yeah you know? it's like fuck <laughs> but it was cool to to see that and to put that into perspective and then to to travel around and to get people's perspectives on, you know, people who live in South Africa yeah. and who live in Cape Town and like talk to them, you yeah. know, and then go out into the townships. I did a bunch of work on, on a school in, in the yeah. townships, yeah. just doing like electrical work because yeah. like, yeah, totally. People always hanging That's out. With they need. <laughs> yeah. 
and uh, it was just, it was a really interesting experience. It was cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love Cape Town so much. Wouldn't really say the same thing about Johannesburg as much. Definitely I also good, heard that. Definitely good times <laughs> there. But yeah, it's like, I would, you know, I could see myself living in Cape Town. Like, you know, the culture there is just awesome. When I, when I got back and while I was there, I was, and now I'm, you know, I was thinking the same thing. It was just like, how do I make this place more a part of my life? Yeah. And it's just so isolated. Yeah, I know. It's, it's far away. (laughs) It's like, it's not cheap to get over there. Um, and I am going to go for Africa burn though. Cool. Cool. Maybe I can meet you there sometime. Um, do you get to travel? Do you think you're going to get to travel with Mel? I'm definitely traveling less now, I would say. Um, but hopefully, uh, will allow me to travel more long-term in the bigger picture. Yeah. Um, and more like for my own purposes. Um, I'm definitely hoping to planning to be in Chile at the eclipse just for fun. Nice. Um, so, you know, yeah, Mel's been super cool about Is it Chile or is it, is it Argentina? I guess I'm not sure. Oh, it's Patagonia is both. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's like right on the border. Yeah. Um, so I'm not really sure, honestly. It's almost like Patagonia should be its own thing. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> should totally. be like Chile, Argentina, and then like the national park, which is separate, which is Patagonia. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I feel like it, it probably like almost feels like that when you're there. I don't know. Oh, I'm sure. Um, but definitely looking forward to that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, definitely like having been to South Africa twice within in a, a, a year of each other, 2009 and 2010. And one of the second time was for six months, you know, I thought, oh, this is going to be a huge, a huge part of my life going forward. And here we are almost 10 years later and I haven't been back and I'm a little bit upset about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I enjoy traveling for work. I also enjoy traveling for like personal reasons and I all I like mixing those two things together yeah so it's like finding a gig that lets you travel and then um segueing that into personal travel yeah totally I mean that's kind of the dream right (laughs) well I feel like you know that's it's another trick you know it's like learn that trick or figure out a way to integrate that into your life or integrate that into your job and yeah totally totally it's a good hack it is a good hack. <laughs> get somebody else to pay for the plane tickets and hotel rooms <laughs> at least some of them <laughs> yep right absolutely you get to have some fun doing it yeah i've been looking for projects in uh in europe europe and asia totally because those are two places i want to spend time well they're definitely definitely a lot more ahead of the game on the light light installations and light art culture over there yeah, and then just um, maybe it's a little more of a saturated market, though you know. Yeah, but there's still not that many people doing it. Yeah, and I'm I make it a point. Yeah, to know all of them totally <laughs> or as yeah. many as I can. It's a pretty small community, and it is it comes down to it, which is awesome. You know, and everybody for the most part is super. You know, uh, cool about sh- sharing techniques and well that's the thing they're every everybody who's doing this more or less is kind of like us i mean there's a few big corporate players yeah but um gensler actually just launched their can't remember what they call it but it's basically their like um feature design branch you know competing with like moment factory yeah it's um yeah it's cool a lot of people from obscura got sucked into the gensler where are they based 
Um, they're all over. There's a branch in LA, a branch in San Francisco. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that brand. That's cool. Well, they're an architectural firm. Gotcha. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> That's the thing, man. You know, it's the same way that like lighting and video, the like the LD and the, the video world on stage kind of merge. They like yeah. smashed into each other. Yeah. Architectural lighting, um, show production and marketing are smashing together totally into this new thing totally yeah it's it's pretty cool uh kind of intersection it is well it's spawning a whole new industry it's like what do you call it it's, yeah it's weird yeah i've talked to other people on this podcast about kind of that it's, it's immersive like, media or kind of there's a million names for experiential it. Yep. architecture stuff like that yeah. yeah yeah but i mean it's it's a thing that it's like if you're building a huge new construction you know like a like a new hotel or a huge new office or whatever you have to accent it somehow oh otherwise, yeah it's one of the it's, most important things well it's it's expected yeah absolutely. otherwise it's just a big gray box absolutely <laughs> <laughs> yeah the lighting lends so much to the way we feel about places when we lighting you know media interactivity yeah. some kind of feature sound maybe yeah well anything that brands it yeah. right it's like okay so it's like this building is special because of why. And that's traditionally that's been the architecture, which is still like that's like your if that's the cake, then like what we're doing is like the frosting and totally. the sprinkles totally. on top, right? Those tasty light sprinkles. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> sprinkles. <laughs> LED sprinkle mapping. Yeah. It's the next craze. <laughs> volumetric frosting that's right that's right man do you guys stray into that world at all or are you mostly focused on the stage as far as architectural stuff yeah yeah absolutely um at melt we're definitely working with some firms to um like i was talking about that that glass that video glass that's like really more for architectural purposes not for stage purposes oh yeah um and so we're working on some pitches to potentially be doing like a multi-story video screen that would be more or less a permanent installation at an airport. Oh uh, um, yeah. That's so, awesome. Airport, uh, airport projects, man. Airports are like a really tasty venue for this kind of work. Definitely. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of cool multimedia art that definitely that gets expressed. Yeah. It's kind of, it's a cool, uh, you know, a cool place where there's so much different technology and people, so many people and, you know, just, yeah, it'd be a fun one. Uh, well, that's that's like the whole branding and architecture thing. Airports are almost ex like that's why people remember airports. Yeah, you know, totally. it's like there's so many like that thing in Chicago. There's uh, the the pillars in L.A. There's like you know San Francisco is constantly rotating. The through. Illuminati murals in Denver. Oh yeah, <laughs> what is the deal with the Denver and conspiracy theories? Man? It's so I don't know, weird. but yeah, I, I guess it's they've really taken it to heart now. They're like their own marketing department is like advertising, like making jokes out of it. Well, good for them. Out of it. Good for them. I'm sure um, that's just fuel for the conspiracy right. theorists, right? They're like, aha. Um, yeah, we did another kind of cool, kind of immersive thing recently. Um, Toys R Us recently relaunched some stores yeah. after their bankruptcy. Oh my God, giraffes! Yeah, they're they're back. Um, and they with some of their first stores, they had kind of an interactive thing where the kids show up, and before they get into the store, they go into this train car, 
that's like kind of a steampunk kind of Harry Potter magic train kind of feel. Yeah. And we created like a video that plays in the windows. So it feels like you're in this like train taking up, they walk in and they see a train station and then the train starts rolling out of the station and eventually hits light speed. Oh wow. And goes into like a warp tunnel and then now they're in Toytopia and they're in this like outer space toy world and then they, the door is open and now they're in Toys R Us. Right, right, to right. go play with all the cool toys. Man, that's funny. Um, so, you know, that was kind of a cool one where they kind of, they sent us the, the architectural plans for this like train car and, you know, it was a little more than just like a, you know, a cheap mock-up or like a, fe- cheap, a festival installation that gets set up for a few days out of two by fours and, you know, it was like more of a... A permanent thing. Yeah. That's yeah. what I like about architainment or like, doing this kind of work for architecture is that it's, it lets you like really design and build something well, that's well thought out. Usually there's more time involved, there's more budget and it's like, you can really take your time and design something that's like built to last. Totally. Whereas like the stage, it's just literally smoke and mirrors. 100%. Yeah. It's, it's over as soon as you can (laughs) catch your breath, you know? Yeah, exactly. And there's never enough time. Yeah. yeah. That's the worst. How you feeling? Feeling good? Yeah. Cool. Good. Yeah. How are you feeling? Good. I gotta use the bathroom. Cool. I'm gonna pause this for a second. Cool. Become an expert at opening beer with any kind of sharp-edged object. That's right. I feel like it's a life skill. <laughs> Learned at an early age for some of us. Yeah, you know, I actually never drank anything until I was 23 or 24. Really? That's funny. Yeah, man. I was always much more about, I was much more about weed and psychedelics. Yeah. And then, yeah, at a certain point, it was for my birthday, actually. Some girl gave me a bottle of vodka for my birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this isn't that bad. That's funny. (laughs) That's super funny. Growing up in Wisconsin at... Like the alcohol drinking culture there is just so ingrained in like everybody's activities that yeah. like by the time I was even out of high school I was kind of already like eh, I've drank enough alcohol and that's I funny now like, yeah you don't drink really at all you're not I I do sometimes but not that much yeah. like you know I had a few sips of Jane's Margarita at dinner but I didn't get my own you know <laughs> um, but yeah I definitely don't don't drink like I did when I was in high school or in college you know that's funny and I for like a good five years I didn't drink at all but a few years ago I kind of started occasionally drinking and yeah I know, think have a glass of whiskey or something it was like I associated alcohol with jocks because <laughs> that's like funny. in my school it was you know it's well, like definitely alcohol and sports so they sure go hand in hand right exactly you know? it was like you had the jocks who drank beer and then like all of my friends the, were like the weird the skaters and the the psychedelic smoke with weed the ravers. And do shrooms and, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know yeah I was definitely I was a skater in high school so we were definitely more like smoking weed and you know that kind of thing and yeah yeah some some shrooms or whatever but um, it's funny it's like we all grew up in different spots but it was more or less the same yeah <laughs> totally it's like you've got rural america you've got city america pretty much yeah <laughs> i grew up like in rural but like close to the city so kind of had the best of both worlds yeah um, and maybe the, the worst of both too i don't know <laughs> well then um, you've got like really rural super america. yeah actual rural like right, you've got north like, dakota where you're like 400 miles from a shopping mall yeah yeah suburbs and then maybe you've got they say that there's five countries like i actually i read this article and it was like 
the United States can be broken up into five distinct countries. Yeah. You know what I mean? You've got like the North, New England, yep. and the South, yep. and like the Southwest, yep. the you've desert. Got, you've got the Northwest. Yeah, the Pacific Northwest. And, and then, then there's, there's like the, the plains. Middle. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Totally. And they're very distinct cultures. They really are, yeah. And there's a lot of little microcultures within that, but it's definitely, they've all got their own thing, kind of. Yeah. Well, if you think about like the United States, almost like, you know, Europe is kind of a similar vibe, but, and uh, Europeans are probably like, fuck you. Fuck you. Know you. <laughs> exactly. Stupid Dominican. <laughs> but to me, as a, as just like, you know, go, like visiting, passing through, I'm like, oh yeah, it's like, but the languages are a real defining factor. It's like, For sure. that is, and there's, mu- there's much more of like a, it's more, it's more divided and it's more like there's more of a line between cultures. Yeah. However, at this point, especially with the EU, it's just like, okay, you guys are like a big, it's, it's, it's blending. A, it's yeah, becoming it's like more and more blended. Thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, and here we don't really have the, so much of the language thing, but there's definitely like dialects. Oh my God. Yeah. And accents, you know, I'm sure, you know, growing up in Boston and yeah, you know, I mean, for me growing up in, in Wisconsin too, there's such a thick Midwest accent on some people there. And, and then the values <laughs> thing. Yeah. Like the, each, each area has such distinct values. Like the South. Totally. Right? You've got like yeah. the Bible Belt. Yeah. And then you've got like the Northeast and it's kind of like, you've got this like Italian And there's thing. like California, which is just like super progressive and like. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then like the North, the Northwest, it's funny, man. It's like, I was listening to this, this podcast Bundyville. Okay. It's a really, really fascinating podcast and it like goes into the whole like crazy alt-right thing that's happening up in the northwest right interesting yeah, yeah man and it's like all these neo-nazis are like up in the, the, the northwest it. <laughs> well it's crazy because you've got portland right seattle right and then you've got like this crazy separate everything movement. in between is like way more conservative and yeah like, man in an extreme way yeah it's yeah. really it's really crazy like part of me is like wow I'm, i mean i bet i bet it would be fascinating to go up there and like poke around and then like the rational part of me is like no don't you idiot do that. don't yeah. do that <laughs> exactly <laughs> do not do that don't go tempt fate with the neo-nazis <laughs> yeah yeah but it's like you know That's i don't know funny. i like i like going i like extreme travel i really yeah. do yeah. i like extreme travel i like to like visit extreme cultures and try and like you know understand extreme people i like that totally but you know there are limits. I, yeah, I understand yeah. So, so sometimes it might get a little too extreme. Mm-hmm. So do you have any travel in your immediate future? Or are you pretty much just planning um, by year? Planning to go visit family in Wisconsin in December. Haven't been back there in a few years. So probably get back there for Christmas, which will be nice. Um, and visit my girlfriend's family in Iowa as well. Oh yeah, that's right. Jane's right nearby. So very close. Um, that makes it an easy trip. Um, beyond that, um, I mentioned going to Arizona with Tipper. I might be doing another event with him in the Southeast in the spring. Um, don't have too much on the horizon beyond that, but you never know when something's going to pop up. Oh, well, meet you. Um, oh, I'm actually, I'm going to Denver in two weeks uh, for a show I'm doing there with another uh, DJ named Detox Unit. 
Oh, interesting. Uh, pretty cool bass music. That's uh, cool. So that'll be at Cervantes. So be out there for like a day. See, see some friends. And Man, you should use your work at Melt to like springboard into more... Um, into like formal like relationships with these artists totally and totally like, look bro i don't have time to like fuck around with these that's know. pretty much what it's it's really helped me do you know where the people who are still hiring me like really value my time enough to make it worth it yeah for me to you know take some time off of work or even like you know i did a thing with tipper and he was able to put some money towards me spending some company time to develop some stuff for his show with the notch license that we have at work. Yep. And so, you know, it's definitely really shifted my focus to working with the people who can really su support me um, and want me for, you know, my artwork and not just because I'm a VJ or just because of a brand name or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Or just because I'm available. Or well, just because I only cost $300 a night or, you know, whatever, whatever reason they might want to hire me. You know, I can say no to most of those things, luckily now. Yeah, man. And, and really pick well, and choose. I, that's a distinctive phase in in a in successful careers yeah. in this industry. I've found that it's like, you know, it's like everybody is just like kind of, they're hustling, they're doing their thing. Especially people who start as VJs. Yeah. Like I did, you know. Yeah. It's, um, at first you're just like, struggling hustling trying to make it work you're just trying to get any like gigs. any gigs you're just stoked to be able to plug into a screen exactly you know exactly and then and then it becomes like okay i want i want to get paid but like i'm still down to do it for cheap and like i'm just stoked to be getting hired well you then know? you find your 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 trick your hustle your hack, early you right? want to say yes and, and then now making, i want to say no <laughs> well once you're making a living trying to and once once you know at first you have more time than you have money and you're like oh great i'll you know i'll trade all this time for any amount of dollar points that yeah. i can get yeah and then you're like okay well now i have very few time points yeah and i have enough dollar points and if I, you want you my know, time points you got to give me a whole bunch of dollar points you have to be very selective <laughs> yeah and i actually i you know that's like that's the sweet spot in a career because then you can just be picky, you know, and you can almost pick your own clients. Definitely. Like, all right, well, Tipper's cool. We'll work Definitely. for him. Definitely. Saying no, starting to say no to clients puts you in a really good position. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely something like, I like to say no. I, I'm not super fast to rush into gigs, even when I wasn't making that much money, but being really being able to feel like I can say no is a whole different thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, um, it, it makes it so much more relaxed, right? Yeah. You're not like stressing like, Oh no. Like what if I don't, yeah. What if I, what if I don't love all this enough and I, I don't get the gig, you know, cause I, I need to make rent. <laughs> yeah. And then you've got the confidence to be like, I know what I'm worth. To totally. Or this is what this would be worth to me. You know, it's like, I want to make this much, money yeah if i'm gonna if i'm gonna leave town for the weekend on my days off from my other job you know it's got to be worth this much and it's definitely i feel really lucky to be able to to do that even if it means i'm traveling a little bit less or you know doing less vj shows it's you know i'm i'm actually more excited to be working on content these days and really trying to learn some some of the like higher end stuff like you know like houdini or getting into some unreal engine or you know, that kind of thing where it's, uh, 
you know, it, it, that's what I want to do with my free time these days more than I want to be like going to the next festival or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. No, I hear that, man. I'm definitely kind of over festivals unless I really want to go. There's only one or two festivals that I'm even interested in going to these days. And yeah. like, they're very small yeah. and they're full of the people that I enjoy spending time with. And Totally. You know. Um, I have a, another question for you. I was wondering if you had ever heard of um, a podcast called The Collective Podcast. I don't think so. There's a guy named Ash Thorpe who... Uh, I do know Ash Thorpe. Yeah, man. Very well. Well, not personally, but I follow his stuff pretty closely. Well, yeah. you should subscribe I, to his I, I know I've seen a few podcasts with him, but I maybe this was before it was called The Collective because I used to watch a thing that he would do like on a pretty regular basis, but that was through... That was through like Learn Squared or like uh, like a kind of more of a like education, like digital software education thing. No, no, no. He's been doing this for years. Gotcha. But um, he's a uh, he's a really fascinating person to listen to. He's also very well spoken and he's really fluid. Yeah. Um, I get a lot of value in it. You know, no, out I of bet. It. Yeah. I'm not even uh, I'm not even really into motion graphics, but totally. just listening to people describe the artistic process. Totally. Well, he's just yeah, he's such a talented guy i'm sure his whole vibe is just like engaging you know well it's engaging it's also really calm and it's really like insightful yeah um yeah you should listen to it man cool yeah thanks for the tip i'll definitely put that on the list i reached out to him when i first started doing this and he was oh, cool. just like go for it sick <laughs> I'm like any advice is like yeah just you know have have natural conversations yeah I'm like, nice yeah. Yeah, that's super Sage cool. I, I love his his artwork and his style is so cool. Definitely, he's been involved with you know some of the coolest graphic in movies, uh, graphics in movies. That is uh, in the last few years, like Ghost in the Shell and that kind of thing. It's yeah, like, right? so badass. And that's really that's that's where like the fine art of motion graphics. That's the that's the canvas that that's expressed on is like movies, and you know you get like series, you know like um. Westworld, totally or like the intro yep. to Westworld. Yeah, beautiful. That's beautiful yeah, that's, that's an octane render was used for that. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's so cool now with the tools that are available to digital artists. It's like one person, like Ash Thorpe, can create like a movie, a Hollywood movie's worth of graphics in like a few months. Yeah, and like you know, I'm sure I know he didn't do all the work by himself, but like he, you can really create like most of those ideas to then be fleshed out by like the, the studios, but it's so awesome what one person can create now with like the right tools and the right, the right amount of time put into their skills, you know? Yeah. Um, so what, so what is it about Houdini specifically that is, that's also so Houdini, Right. So right. Houdini is, is to, to give you a little bit of background, the guy who created touch designer used to work for the company that makes Houdini. And he was like, I want to basically build off of Houdini's concepts into real time. But Houdini is for like more traditional pipeline, but it's used for like some of the most advanced scenes in Hollywood. Like when you're like blowing up a building or like a mountain is collapsing from a volcano and there's like explosions of lava and like it looks so realistic the way the physics are working. You can do all that kind of stuff in Houdini. You can do oceans and smoke simulations and you we were kind of talking a little bit earlier uh, this evening about how like notch, for example, you can really easily connect 
the, all these different systems and drive, you know, different systems. Houdini is like that, but like on steroids. And it's like, you can have these, this way touch designer can uh, encapsulate, like have like layers of node systems within node systems, within node systems. That same thing in Houdini, you have all these different systems that you can connect and you can make them talk to each other all like nested networks, nested networks and like infinite amounts of connections where the particles are being spawned from these, you know, this, this fluid system, which is generating a, a heat map to drive fire simulations in pyro and like, you know, really like all the tricks that can be done in 3d Houdini can do it. Right. And that's, which is kind of true in a cinema, uh, something like cinema 4d or Maya or some of the other packages, but like, they're just not cut out for like the high, really high end VFX. They can't handle like 10 million, like an army of 10 million warriors. Whereas like Houdini could definitely do it. <laughs> so what, what happened to 3d studio max? 3ds max is still around. Um, it's definitely kind of taken a back seat to cinema 4d when it comes to motion graphics, but I thought it was like, under, I don't even consider them almost in the same ballpark. They are for sure. They're, I'd say those are two of the most closely related. Um, I'd say there's just a lot more competitors now. And Autodesk is the parent company to 3ds max as well as Maya. And they're kind of still like the go-to if you're going into game industry through like a traditional, like pipeline of like schooling basically those poor game industry kids man. oh yeah <laughs> i've heard stories I, I don't know if i'm shedding too many tears for them and their six-figure paychecks are you kidding me i hear they get paid nothing the i, I guess it probably depends and they work like insane hours and i like, think they get i think to them they get paid nothing i still think like the starting the starting salary is like pretty is close man. close to 100k if you're like have a salary I wow. think there's probably a lot of like indie game developers who like don't have a salary who are trying to make it. No, I'm talking about the major studio guys. I heard I they guess, work man. insane hours. I, they they definitely work insane hours. Yeah. I think they get compensated reasonably well. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I, I hope they do. Yeah, I, I certainly hope they do. But but yeah, to go back to what I was saying, 3ds Max is definitely kind of taking a backseat. But recently I've been seeing there's a new plugin called TY Flow. And it's kind of like a it's a particle software for 3ds Max. It's a free plugin in beta right now, and I've seen some really amazing stuff being done in like overnight with it. You know, like not that much time setting it up, which is kind of the this can kind of be the challenge with like stuff like X particles or even Houdini is like learning how to set these things up. It's like all the tools are there, but how do you build it? You know, and that's what it takes time to learn and that's where the, the skill is knowing which buttons to push and which things to plug in where but like this sure. new plugin ty flow is supposed to be really cool almost making me wish i worked in 3ds max but not really my thing well so. i mean i like to be tool agnostic i like to know enough me, about me a, too a number it, of different it, platforms it's kind of like about having access and time to learn them. It's the time thing. That's man. the time. And so there's not really a lot of reasons for me to learn 3ds max. If I know cinema 4d or like blender blender is free and blender can do almost everything that either of those other softwares can do. It's much less of an industry standard because it kind of came from like an open source development. and was kind of like this kind of janky weird, like it's like the green party candidate, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like the, like the, the one, the, the non-mainstream thing. And now Blender has been getting some major investment. 
still open source, still free. Um, and now it's becoming much more of like a capable package. Um, but like I would probably bounce to that if I somehow lost my access to Cinema 4D, which is more expensive. Um, is, is Cinema 4D a subscription thing? It is now, as of just a couple of months ago, they came out with a subscription. But prior to that, it was like, oh, you could only get it through like a $3,000 like license purchase, like full license purchase. And it, I think that the cheapest version started at like fifteen or $1,800. And, you know, um, and now I think you can get it for like 60 bucks a month or something pretty reasonable. Um, if you're like, making money off of a software. Yeah. I always used to. So I... I have definitely pirated a number of, I have pirated software for the majority of my <laughs> my career, but most of it is getting myself to the point where I can use it effectively. Totally. All of the software that I, and that I make money on, I pay for. Yeah, absolutely. We've all been there. <laughs> of course. Um, we've all been down that road, you know, and that's. I think for the most part, you know, unlike say like the music industry or the Hollywood film studios where they feel like every single download is losing them money out of their pockets. Well, the music industry you know, is extinct, man. Right. Well, the, the it's, now it's all about streaming. The and, traditional music yeah, and the industry companies, is the industries or the, the record labels who were smart to catch on to the streaming thing are probably still making good money, making good contracts. But yes. the, the people who are just out there suing everybody for playing their music online, you were totally didn't get it, you know. But yeah, right. that being said, the, the software industry seems to be a lot more lax about like people downloading their stuff because they know at the end of the day, if you get to the point that where you're you know, in a position to be making money or working for a studio, you're helping drive future purchases of their software, even if you used it for free for a few years, you know. So Yeah, well, I mean, for the most part, from what I've experienced, kids who are pirating software are not making bank <laughs> they don't have enough money to pay for it anyway yeah. so it's like yeah. either don't use the software yeah. or pirate it and become proficient, proficient yeah. in it, and then you can purchase it and when you're making professional money. yeah exactly and once you get to that point where the show counts on you having software running smooth or the art installation needs to rely on stability or you know all of these things then it becomes an easy call it's like i want to purchase software i love purchasing software and having that like that fresh up-to-date, you know, version, yeah. the latest features, you know, rather than being on some like outdated pirated crack that you're like trying to read a forum from 2012 about particle illusion and how to. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, for, for us, it's like, you know, we're, we're using like pixel mapping software in, in permanent installations. And um, we used to use Madrix. Okay. We still do use yeah. Madrix um, for some installations, but um, I distinctly remember having this conversation with our, our LED manufacturer in China, who's like, "Do you want to buy China Madrix?" <laughs> and I'm like, "What's China Madrix?" They're like, "Oh, it's it's like half price." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, that's, that's, I'm like, that's awesome." No, I'm gonna stick with. It I'm seems like that's pretty it. rampant, especially in the lighting industry. Like everybody's just making the knockoffs, you know. For hardware, but um, yeah. I guess maybe not as much for software, but yeah. Well, I mean, I've never, I've never, I've never seen a pirated version of Madrix, but I'm sure it exists. But the thing is, maybe that's the you know, last thing I would ever do. Yeah. In a is Ma a, is Madrix expensive? It's very expensive. Is it? Yeah, gotcha. I mean, it depends on what you're doing. 
For sure. And obviously that's kind of a relative question. It is. And there's multiple tiers. But usually lighting software is broken down by how many lights you're driving. Yeah. Right. So it's like if you're doing a certain amount of universes. Yeah. yeah, It's the same as media servers. You know, it's like how many 4K outputs do you want to drive? Right. If you're doing like a building, yeah. you probably need a lot of 4K outputs. Yeah. And, and they're like, we're going to charge you five grand for this license because you should definitely be making money from this. Absolutely. <laughs> Whereas yeah, if yeah, you yeah. just want to do a 720p watermark version, then you can get that for free. Yeah. But at that point, the um, the software is such a small part of the budget anyway right. that it doesn't matter. Right. They're just like, totally. there is no way I would risk having this installation glitch or fail or anything. Totally. Yeah, it's funny too how like my own kind of a, opinions of like how expensive a software is too has changed when like, you know, I used to look at something like Resolume, uh, you know, or even Cinema 4D is like, oh God, that's expensive. Like that's I so know. expensive. That's got to be one of the most expensive softwares ever. And now I'm like, oh yeah, looking at like D3 and like, you know. It's not D3. Or disguise. Disguise. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> disguise. would be very upset. A- a- Ableites, you know, that kind of thing where it's like, in the five six figure range and you know it's like yeah man it's crazy it makes makes some of the other ones seem pretty affordable absolutely you know? yeah i mean honestly for us that is um that is the main reason that we are working with with the smode guys because the alternative well there's really no alternative for volumetrics uh volumetric pixel led mapping so you can't do that with touch you can but just more, a lot more overhead. To develop our own solution in yeah. Touch Designer yeah. would take a team yeah. working for X number. I mean, it would still totally. cost like a totally. hundred grand totally. yeah. or whatever. And granted, then we'd and have you it. You can do it out of, out of the box with Smode more or less, huh? Or like yep. now you can because they put it, they developed that feature for you. Yeah. And we're yeah. working with the developers. And so which, which uh, tier do you have to use to be able to like drive the, the work that you're doing because i know they have a free tier um, are you guys on the free tier no 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 no, no, no okay. not at all gotcha. so the system that we're using now to do um i don't know what to compare it to it's yeah. like a building worth of leds sure. right it's, yeah. a, it's a very large scale volumetric pixel mapping installation is like in the 25k range for the whole shebang gotcha gotcha right okay. whereas if we were looking at you know um disguise that would be 100k yeah. if you're you know it's, it's but if you did a touch designer it would be like three grand or something for the license but then you would need to spend probably 20 grand at least on development at least yeah. man yeah. at least and that's that's the problem is yeah. that like i don't I'm not interested in being a software development company. Totally. Not really. I yeah. don't have those resources. Yeah, 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 totally. We're like a hardware company, yeah. you know, and we're a design firm. Yeah. And that's what I want to focus on. So if I can just, I'm happy to pay, I'm happy to spend other people's money on this, sure. this group of developers over in France that are willing to play ball. Yeah, totally. I'm happy to support that. Well, they're and cool it sounds guys. like they're creating something that can also then be used by Presumably, you're not the only person who has this version of the software, right? It's a feature of the software. Oh, it's a feature of the software. Right. right. So yeah. that's something that now everybody can benefit from. Totally. Um, so and that's, we're, we're that's like awesome. resellers for them. You yeah. know, was, we're yeah. not like really pushing it super actively, but yeah. we're, we're doing the U.S. distribution. So when people are like, hey, you well, know. And what is the main limitation of the free tier versus like the next tier up? Do you know? Oh, it's totally outputs. 
Okay. Just outputs. Yeah. And none of the all it has all the other features. Yeah. Okay. It has it's seven twenty seven twenty p out. Gotcha. So it's like great for. That's not that great, but <laughs> it's okay. It's great for okay. for like hobbyist or you yeah. know if you're doing like intro to VJing or whatever, yeah. and it's awesome to get to know the software for sure. Yeah. But um. Yeah. I mean that's cool. You can't beat free with no watermark. You know that's absolutely not too many software is doing that. No, well, I mean, there's <laughs> especially some, with the capabilities of Smug. That's how you. That's how you like spread a spread a meme, spread an idea, and have it yeah. grow. You know, it's, totally. you just give it away for free. Let people get used to it, and say, "Hey, if you want to do anything that's valuable, with this totally. <laughs> if you want to do anything that people are going to pay you money for, I should have you give me a little demo while you're here, man. Yeah, absolutely. If we find time. Yeah, yeah. Just walking around the interface for a minute. Yeah, I'd be stoked on that. So this week we got to go. We got to go to the um, the disguise uh, suite. Okay. They rent out the suite yeah. at the Hard Rock, and they've got um, panels and discussions all day. Cool. It's almost like a little like like um, VIP room. Okay. Right, and yeah. it's it's just for media server nerds. Gotcha. What's this? I keep hearing about Circle Bar. I hear Circle Bar is the place uh, to, to hang out. Or do yeah, it's, it's it's like it's uh, just where a lot of people meet up. It's basically, yeah, it's kind of like like the meetup. There's still like hundreds of people around there at any yeah. given time, so it's kind yeah, of yeah, uh, totally, yeah. But it's it's the main bar at Hard Rock, right? So yeah, gotcha. But we should run around for sure. Yeah, man, that'd be cool. You got your floor pass. I got. My I don't floor have pass. a badge yet, but I have like. I signed up. Well, you get I got your, a code you got and access everything. to yeah. your yep. yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we'll have a booth. Um, we're part of the Die Color LED booth. Die Color is a company from Shenzhen that makes LED panels. Oh, cool. Um, we have a collaborative partnership with them. Um, we host like some of their panels at our showroom, um, and they uh, hire us to make content and kind of have, have been working together on a few projects. Um, so yeah, we all have a booth there. Um, we have kind of like a LED kind of sculpture that's like this like multi kind of stepped kind of thing that has LED panels going all the way around it. And we created a bunch of 3D content for it um, where all the content is basically UV mapped. Um, so it looks almost like it's like projection because um, it's like 3D, you know, but it's yeah, actually yeah. LED panels. Um, so, yeah, definitely want to show off some of the content we made there. Hopefully we can meet up on the show floor um, and... Uh, and go run around and check out some other stuff kind of outside of the convention maybe absolutely man yeah definitely it's all about the the industry parties <laughs> parties after the conference totally and the classes do you know who matthew reagan is i do know who matthew reagan is. he's around he's doing classes That's with his I girlfriend heard, yeah. i saw him on the um on the lineup for some of the ldi stuff yeah, I think we're gonna get lunch tomorrow. Oh no, very nice. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, he's like the the touch designer guru. Like him and like Keith Lestraco, pretty much like the the be all end all when it comes to touch, at least for as far as I know, which is very limited. But I know I know enough to know that those guys are. Well, they did the uh, they did that tutorial series. Yeah, yeah. They kind of wrote the book on on touch in some ways. Yeah, if you're learning through. YouTube and yep. that kind of thing, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, so, absolutely. yeah, I know uh, our my friend Karim, who you met earlier, is kind of our, our touch designer guy in-house. And, yeah, he was super stoked to hear he's going to be here. 
Um, yeah, well, they've been here since Monday. I don't know what oh, the really? hell they've been doing. Well, I think some Monday. of the LDI like classes have been going since Monday. So uh, if you like paid for a class, like the disguise training was like Monday, Tuesday. And then like black tracks training, I think is like today or tomorrow or something. And so those are like before the public right thing yeah, opens yeah. I, I just guess. didn't realize that it started yeah. on monday yeah i know me t- me neither because i was still kind of hoping to maybe go do the disguise training and then i was like tuesday and i was like looked at the schedule and i was like oh wait this already happened it's over yeah <laughs> oh whatever so, you know, there'll be another one exactly man they like i said they do them i think they do them every month in la cool that's good to know i think that'd be fun to get out there yeah yeah, I'm looking forward to getting kind of more involved in some of the kind of community meetups. I'm going to Notch does some meetups in LA. Yeah, they some do. in the Bay. I've never made it over to the ones uh, in the Bay when I was in NorCal. But um, our, our buddy Kareem went to one of the ones in LA and had a good time at a lot of the people. It's definitely like super tight-knit community. I was going to say the guys from all of it now. Yeah. In uh, yeah. in the Bay Area, they yep. are very much involved with uh, the disguise and and, and notch. Totally, yeah. Kevzu and Birdo, yeah, yep. those guys are are awesome. Definitely look up to them. I know our our CEO at Melt um, has known Birdo for a long time. Yeah, he's uh, I met him last year. Cool. Yeah, they're really pushing the the limits of the technology, so to speak, and you know integrating camera tracking like in real time AR stuff like that so pretty yeah definitely watching what they're doing and always blown away and uh Kev Kev and Birdo actually but definitely Kev has a, a bunch of tutorials for Notch and Birdo has a handful too on their Vimeo pages um that I've really enjoyed learning from um Kev has yeah a really great uh teaching style and put it puts out these little quick tips where you learn something in like 30 seconds you know watch 10 of those in five minutes and like feel like I leveled up for the night, you know? That's awesome. Um, so yeah, shout out Kev Zoo, definitely. <laughs> they're going to be here too. Cool, yeah. Yeah, I, they're going to be at the, the disguise, disguise suite. Cool, yeah, I definitely, definitely want to go over there. It'd be fun. What are you thinking? You're going to be over there tomorrow or Friday or both? I don't know, man. Tomorrow seems pretty packed. Yeah. But definitely Friday. Yeah, okay, cool. So... Well, yeah, maybe I can make it over there with you Friday after I get off work or something. That'll be super fun. Yeah. Well, tomorrow I'm definitely coming into Mel. Yeah, please do, man. I want to show you around. Absolutely. Show you some of, the, some of the toys, some of the software. Yeah. Some content. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is good. I think we should call it. Sweet. Let's call it. A good couple hours. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun, man. Yeah, it was. I'm really stoked that I get to come and kick it with you guys. On the, the show, so to speak. Absolutely, brother. <laughs> yeah. All right, Stay man. Here.